anybody's ever been in this position where you're asked to come before God's people, uh, there's a little bit of a method to my madness of wanting to go first. I'm a kind of a simple kind of guy, and I, uh, you know, my mind wanders, so if I want to hear the preaching, I want to get mine out of the way so I can hear the preaching afterwards. So I look forward to hearing Brother Mark this morning. I came, I came to hear the gospel. I have a need to hear the gospel. Uh, but inasmuch as, as he's asked me to go, I'm not ashamed to come before you to try to speak God's word. And, and, but I need the Spirit. And you need the Spirit to hear, and I need the Spirit to speak. And we need the Spirit to turn that into gospel. So you be praying about this. I want to talk about a little bit of a... And, I'm going to try to keep this within a confines of time because I know Brother Mark can use the time well. I want to talk about a, uh, the conclusion to things. I want to compare two different things, one in Old, one in New Testament. I want to start in the New Testament because that's really where the weight is, is in the New Testament because Jesus is one that gives us this conclusion. And a conclusion is a good place to start on our point because it gives you the so what right off the, right off the bat. I mean, before we start drilling down, we already know where we want to we start, where we want to end back up. And in the whole cycle of things, you can get, you can get the full picture. There, there were some lawyers that came to the Lord in Matthew 22, and they... Um, they weren't looking for wisdom. They weren't asking for uh, great teaching from the Lord. They were trying to trap him in a situation where he would speak something and they could turn it back on him and say, aha, we got you. One of those gotcha questions that we hear even today. I mean, that's still a tactic of those that want to get to somebody. They'll ask them a, a, a tricky question. In their minds, it's tricky. I'm going to tell you, this was tricky to the Lord. And uh, actually, it shouldn't have been tricky to them either because there was an Old Testament conclusion that, that was given that they should have already known about too. Um, we might ask, well, what is the most important thing in the Scripture? You might think, well, everything in the Scripture carries the same weight. Every thought, everything that's taught in the Scripture, it's all equal. It's all basically the same importance with them. We're going to look at something right here to where we're given a degree of importance. And it's very important to get them in the right order because if you don't get them in the right order, it's going to, it's going to muddy it up. It's going to mess it up. They came to him to trick him with a question. And they said, and it even says, they asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment? This kind of, kind of makes me think of the, when, when uh, Brother Mike Montgomery and Michael were talking about the particles of faith. Which is the most important? Well, then this, this is kind of that, that kind of deal. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Then he turns it to him and says, this is a second. He's going further answering their question than what they asked. 
I believe there is a there is a point that the Lord makes here with them, teaching them you're not in the right place. You came in the wrong spirit. Uh, now I've given you the most important, but I'm going to give you an additional thing, and I'll tell you it's the one that if you're in a tempting spirit, it's the one that will condemn you. He says the second one is likened to that, likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Were they doing that? Not at all. They were showing hatred towards the Lord, and the Lord condemns them with his wisdom that the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So everything that's in the law and the prophets, you start drilling down from here and you go back through the law and you break it down and you distribute it out and you take good look at it, it all will finally come back to these two things right here. They hang on the, it's like the, it's like a door with the hinges. There's a doorpost part of the hinge and there's a door piece which fits together and they hinge together. They hang together. And I'll tell you, if you're if the what's on the post is not strong, it'll give. If what's on the door is not strong, it'll give. But I'll tell you, where two of those things are strong, they hang together. They hang together. So all the law and the prophets hang on these two principles, and one is more important than the other. Loving thy Lord, love the Lord thy God with all. Thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. If you don't have that first, it doesn't matter what, what goes on with the neighbor because it'll be skewed. It'll be self-fulfilling. It'll be, it'll be selfish, uh, motivated. If it's not motivated through the first, it's not any good and vice versa. So if we love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength, and you don't love your neighbor as yourself, then... You're, you're in the wrong. You're missing it. You're missing the, it's not hinging. Something is loose. So the Lord gives us right here an occasion to where we can find something more important in Scripture than the other. It, one has to be before the other. And I tell you, how do we love the Lord, thy, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, strength? That comes first from God himself. It cycles from the Lord, we have to understand where's the source of this love? Because the people will make the, the assertion that, well, if you'll just love the Lord, he'll love you. That's backwards. Because the scripture teaches us we love him because he first loved us. And so we have to get, if we're going to go into a cycle here, we have to know where the starting point is and where it comes back to. You see, my friend, the Lord loved you and you love him in a response, and it goes back to him in a response. Just like if you love the, your neighbor as yourself, it starts with you, it goes to them, and it comes back to you in a cycle to you. So we find that the Lord, uh, the loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and soul, and strength, is the first of the commandments. It's the most important that we understand loving the Lord thy God with all the heart, the mind, and soul. Now let's go back over to the Ecclesiastes letter and look at the other conclusion. But before we do, I want to just, just peer into the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> 
to get a, a sense of Solomon's, his writing, and what he's touching on here in this preacher lesson. It's a, it's a declaration. Preacher, uh, sometimes we think a preacher is just like us trying to get up here and preach, but Solomon, friends, is taking principles and he is declaring it before God's people. He's taking God's principles and sharing it. He's preaching it to the, to the congregation. So it's not, now it's gone beyond Solomon's understanding, his wisdom, and it's pushing God's principle. And my friend, a preacher can't preach just what he what he can understand, but what God gives him to understand is sometimes it's even beyond the preacher. It's even greater than what the preacher can deliver because the Lord, the Lord knows how to take a man's word and break it up like bread and feed a multitude of people with the same piece of bread in various different ways because what you need is one thing and what you need is another thing. And the Lord's able to take that same wisdom, that same bread, and break it to you for what you stand in need of. So let's see what Solomon says here in the beginning. And I think what we'll see here is that Solomon is pondering the greatness of God. He's pondering things beyond him. Because, my friends, we can only see so far in this life. We have our vision, our understanding is is so captured in our paradigm of understanding that we, we can't get outside of that. But Solomon is teaching us that the word of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also arises, and the sun goeth down, and hasteneth to his place where he arose. And the wind goeth towards the south, and towards uh, about unto the north. It whirleth about continuously. And the wind returneth again according as his circuits. He's talking the the principles of circuitry in life. We understand the cycle of life, right? We understand that one generation comes along as babies. They grow up, they get older, they go through their maturing, they go through their, uh, their prime, they go into their golden years, and they finally pass the time of this life. All at the same time, a new baby is being born and the cycle continues. There's nothing new under the sun. My friend, you're not going through a new thing in your life. There's not anything new that, that's being devised in the cycle of this life. We've said, well, people are living longer. Well, there are people that lived a lot longer than people live today. And that, that changed. But still, the cycle continues. And he sees it, he sees it in natural occurrences. The sun comes up, the sun sets, and it goes right back to where it started, and it does it all over. I tell you, my friends, too, if that was all there was to it, 
then it would be vanity of vanity. That, it would not be much to look forward to. There, there would be no sense in life. People would, people would have a hard time finding an answer to the question, what is the purpose for us being here? I think Solomon is going to get to the conclusion of just what sense there is in life. What is the purpose of life? He'll go in here to the wind. He, he's gone to the sun. He's gone to the wind. And now he goes, all the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. We, we just came off the coast, came off the Gulf, came off the Atlantic coast. We saw great big rivers. And all those rivers were feeding water into the sea. And yet the sea is never full. I tell you, had a lot of water too. And, and, and I, you could sit there on the shore of that ocean and wonder how in the world can that happen? How physically can that much water come out of that river, all of those rivers, all of those streams, and not fill that ocean up and be flooding everything? It's because the cycle takes the water, evaporates it off the sea, brings it up over, rains, feeds, draw, draws back down, and the cycle continues. Just like the sun, just like the wind, and now here we have the sea. And the sea is not full. Let me tell you, who is in charge? Who, who did such marvelous, wondrous work to design such, a, such an existence as that where things cycle themselves Without anybody in control, I, there's not a, any of us, there's not a weatherman around that can make that change. All they can do is tell you the little variations along the way. How much it rained over here, how hot it got over here. And all those are elements of the great design that the marvelous working God designed in his work to amaze us. Amaze us. And by the way, also confound the wise. And he reveals it unto the babes. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The things that have been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Things just continue on. As God designed it. That's marvelous. That's a marvelous thing to contemplate. The greatness of our God. Then he comes over here. And I'll, I'll end over here in the, in the 12th chapter of the book of, of, of Ecclesiastes. Oh, I, I guess I, I left out a little something over here. Um, Solomon talks about, well maybe it's over here. Um, yeah, it's over. I'm sorry. In the 8th verse, 12th, 12th chapter, the 8th verse, I'll start there. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words and that which was written. 
was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd, and further by these my son be admonished of making many books there is no end, and much study is worrisome of the flesh. We will, we can find words to talk about, principles to dissect, all of the all of the intricate workings of the gospel and the and the message and all of those words are truly amazing to to go through and to study down to wearing yourself to the bone studying. But if that doesn't have a so what, if that doesn't have a some summary, a conclusion. A conclusion is bringing it to the final thought. What is the takeaway that we get when we hear the gospel, when we hear the preaching? What is the takeaway for our life that we, when we leave here, are we any better off than what we was when we came? What is the conclusion to this matter? The conclusion to the matter is not because it's so complex. It's really because it's so simple. But yet, on the other hand, it's so confounding because we are yet in this flesh. And we can't understand the things that we can't understand. Our mind can't go to places where we can't grasp. For existence, for existence, what is being in a place where there is no time? What does that what does that mean? Brother Mark, I cannot embrace I can't I can embrace it by faith, but I cannot by empirical knowledge. I cannot make my mind go to where there is no time. What about no space constraints? I gotta take a step to get to the next place. What did, what does it mean to be in a place where omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent mean? in the place where God is. My friend, it brings me down to this, I'm trying to get to this conclusion is, he would say here, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And I'll tell you what, you take the whole Bible, the whole Holy Scripture that was providentially kept by God himself and delivered to you, the child of God, the love, the love message from heaven to let you know that you're not only a child of God, but how you got there. And not only how you got there, but how you kept there. I want to hear the conclusion to the whole matter. And the whole matter, my friends, is three things. Fear God. Fear God. I tell you, you take that one piece of conclusion. That is the most important thing. Fear God. Now, it did not say be scared of God. Mm -hmm. It's very important that we understand what Scripture is teaching us. And this is, this is where the preacher comes in and the Holy Ghost is the one that delivers it. But we have to understand what that fear God means. It did not say and did not mean be scared of God. 
I would not tell a child, you be scared of your parents. I would tell a child, you love your parents and you obey them. You obey them because they're looking out for you. You reverence them in a child-parent way. So what, what the conclusion to the matter, the first thing is, is you reverence God. You reverence God. You put him in your mind. You, you think of God as best we know. Now, I know we can't understand God in full, but we can understand some things that are, that are given to us to understand, and that is we respect and reverence God to understand that he is not a man. He, is, he doesn't have the, the, the finite qualities and the limitations that a man has. He does not do things as man does things. We try to sometimes take God and superimpose man's qualities on God so he'll be like us. Well, the whole matter, my friends, is the first thing to understand is God is God. God is I am. He is eternal. He is holy. He is righteous. He is loving. He is full of justice. He is God. That's the first thing to understand. God is not like us. The first thing is to fear God. Second, to keep his commandments. To keep his commandments. Why? So that we will be with him? No, because he loved us first. And in the show of love towards God is to keep his commandments. The Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you want to show, you, it's easy for you to say, I love God. The proof is in the keeping the commandments. Keep his commandments. And the third is, and for this is the whole duty of man. The whole it's, it's not in just the knowing the commandments of God. We could go to the Ten Commandments and we can find where there were ten commandments given, but four point strictly between you and God. It's direct. You and God. It is how we're to look at God and we are to to point our affections toward God in a particular way. That is, understand and keep God as God. He is God. And not to make him like another or to use his name in vain or, or to not, uh, not keep the Sabbath where he, he has given us the Sabbath for our rest. It's an honoring of God. Fear God is an action. It's not just a mindset. It's not just a thought process. It is an action, fear God. And we're found where it's found in the Ten Commandments, where we're to keep our focus on God as Him being God. And the last six are really those the ones that the Lord summed up, love thy neighbor as thyself. Not to covet, not to false bear false witness, uh, not to covet, not to, not to cheat upon them, and those those things which those six commandments give us a more detail of the conclusion to the whole matter. It is a keeping of those commandments. And in doing so, that's a proof. It's not a cause. It is a proof evidence of what you, what you say. 
You say you love God, reverence Him, and keep His commandments. And if you do that, all the law and the prophets hang on those principles. But the most important, I, I, I want to take us back to one last thing. We have to understand that there is one thing important, and that is God comes first. And it's not, well, I'll keep his commandments and then God will be to me what God I, I think he is. No, it's keep God where he should be in our minds. You know, I, I, in, the, in the history, they, uh, they, it was said that those that copied the scriptures would, would wash off their instruments before they even wrote the name of God. That, that attention to that kind of detail is when we speak the name of God, are we, are we doing it vainly or are we doing it with the reverence? In our minds, where do we, where do we think of God? Friends, that, that's the conclusion to the whole thing. You want to know the, life, the, whole, the whole purpose of why you're here? It is to fear God and keep His commandments. And in doing so, as Paul would say, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And there's the right focus. For the mark, come ahead. I'm taking more.